Hi, my name is James Ramos. I am a licensed general contractor at Ramos Design Build. While my core business and expertise is construction and development, I own several businesses in two other arenas, real estate, including sales, finance, and insurance, and construction product companies like cabinetry, flooring, and interior design firm that creates jaw-dropping impressions when someone walks through the door. These three areas allow me to be a better builder and solely focused on luxury homes valued at over $1 million. We service every facet along the residential home journey. Buy, sell, design, build, finance, furnish, and maintain. I have won 10 National Aurora Awards for standout kitchen and bath design and build projects. And the Ramos family name is synonymous with thousands of successful residential and commercial construction projects in the Southeast United States since 1956. Let Ramos Design Build help you with the home of your dreams today. Call 813-259-1111 or go to ramosdesignbuild.com. Let me help you make your dream a reality. The real estate market is open. Ramos Design Build is Tampa Bay's premier construction company. This is a program where the real estate experts are live. Whether buying, selling, building, or designing, Ramos has the answers. Now, here's the area's best resource for all things real estate, James Ramos. Welcome to a new edition of the Move With Me program with host James Ramos of jamesramos.com and Ramos Design and Build every Sunday at 11 a.m. Everything you need to know about the real estate market and, and, and housing and, and, and redesign and redevelopment. You know, James, we were just talking and having a conversation about this, the, this new statistic that just came out. One in every five millennials now moving back in with older relatives. Why? Because they don't have a house. Why? Because they can't afford a house. Why? Because they went off to chase whatever dream it is that they have. And it's it's okay to have dreams. I mean, I think you're a dreamer. I'm a dreamer. We're both uh, you know people who are ambitious and have desires in life. But uh, it, it does have to be realistic in nature, doesn't it? I mean, so when you're looking to temper that type of dreaming and, and realism, you know, buying a house needs to be a conversation that I, I think needs to take place in American households just from sea to shining sea, don't you? Absolutely. I think the notion of of some of these um, millennials is, is that there's going to be a time where I can afford what I want and it's coming and it's not here yet, but when it comes, I'll be able to buy something. And that type of mentality of of sitting and waiting is not always the best, you know, so the act of understanding like, Hey, this is the number one path to wealth yeah. is real estate. Yeah. And we talked to your, your, your nephew, Graham Ramos of uh, Lone Depot, great guy, great guy, great guy. And, and we, we spoke to him last, uh, uh, last week and, you know, he, he is a millennial and he was talking about how all his friends are, you know, they're, they're spending 2000 $3,000 a month on apartments. I mean, that, that that's that's a big-time mortgage on a big-time house, and just whatever reason, they're adverse to buying houses. And what they were saying was is because, well, the first house I'm going to buy is going to be, you know, my forever right, house, my right. dream yeah, house. It's going to be the house. I'm never going to move again. But that's not, it, that's not reality, you know? I mean, there are stepping stones to every single process. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people would like to be sit there with a checkbook and scratch, you know, six figures on it and slap it over and and walk into a, a beautiful home. But that's not how success looks. And that's not how purchasing that forever home normally looks. Yeah. I mean, it's like expectations minus reality, right? Gets you, you know, what what's what can happen. So, so I think it's about managing expectations. And I do feel, 
you know, a lot of these, you know, we have to think about it. A lot of these millennials grew up in a family, in a household where, where they went through a recession. Mm -hmm. So whether, whether, you know, not necessarily them, but their parents, most of America went through the the recession and it kind of scares us, you know? So in the back of your mind, you're thinking, Hey, I don't want to be in this situation if it happened to you again, ever. And then if it happened to someone else, even if it didn't happen to you, it's just as strong. Like, yeah. hey, mom and dad went through this situation. They lost a tremendous amount of their wealth. And I would never want to be in this situation. So paying rent, you know, month over month is not a big deal. You know, at the end of the day, the worst case scenario is I can't afford the rent. I get someone else to to step in for me or I add another person who can come and rent. But I do feel like it's a mounting, you know, situation. So when you start growing your your wealth you know, from 21, let's say you push it to 28, 30 years old, that's 10 years of a lot of time. And with the compounding of money and things like that, you know, not only that you're missing out on that, but the real estate market keeps on going up. Mm -hmm. You know, it may not go up every single year. It stays steady, dips a little bit, but over the course of time, no matter what part, you know, it's going to increase. So coming in 10 years later is a big you know, is a big miss. Yeah. You know, we, we don't want to sound like two old guys because we're both really young, uh, really young individuals here. But, you know, it's really kind of amazing, though, that, uh, you know, there is a traditional mindset there. And, and you know, uh, study after study after study has shown that two greatest economic drivers into an individual household is number one, the paycheck. And number two is the home that you purchase is what, you know, drives you over the top. And uh, for whatever reason, it just seems like an entire generation is is just not valuing that home purchase. I mean, I don't know if they don't want to be, you know, uh, tied down, if they don't want to develop roots, or if they want the freedom to just bounce from this market to that market. And, you know, home is wherever I lay my head that night, almost kind of like this bohemian uh, right. mindset yeah. or whatever it is. I don't really get it. I, I just don't. You know, when you think of, when you look at the real estate prices in some parts, it's it's kind of overwhelming. It's almost like a defeated type piece because you know some of these entry-level homes are are quite expensive and they're nowadays and they're yeah (laughs) you need to do a lot of work so i mean i get where they're coming from and then and then the youngins who actually have the funds and they're ready to buy their model is set up where they need 30 to 45 60 days of due diligence with their bank and get the final appraisal and all those good things that are necessary before they get the money and before yeah, and they can buy wait through that if you're a seller and you have builders and, and, and flippers and folks who are in the business buying in five days. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of tough. It's a very tough environment to actually buy that first home. And then you have to couple it with what, you know, my, my nephew Graham was saying is, is that, you know, you're working through, you know, these expectations that are very grand you know, a lot of these, a lot of these folks, you know, they want to live, they want to build a family and yeah. neighborhoods comparable to what they grew up in. And the fact of the matter is some of their parents wouldn't be able to afford to live in those neighborhoods if they did it from the start, but yeah. they can because their house is paid for. Um, they've, they bought in a good neighborhood or they've it's become a really good neighborhood and it's super expensive. Their taxes are low because there's, you know, there's, um, restrictions on the increase when it's homesteaded and things like that. So there's a lot of good benefits to hold and retain that real estate, but, but it is tough, you know, and, and that's why, you know, there's agents out there, there's great mortgage, um, you know, loan officers that can help guide your way. They can figure out what the proper ratio is Mm -hmm. and the city's gotten bigger. 
Yeah. So just well, because be, you grew up in a certain area doesn't mean you can't go out yeah. and find that up and coming area that that you know may be a little bit painful, but it's going to come. Yeah. I mean, talk about that a little bit though, James. I mean, don't you think that um, you know some of the neighborhoods that people grew up in or the house they grew up in that they're they're fond of it for nostalgic reasons and not necessarily oh, because yeah. they were what they what it is that they remember. They just remember the loving household. You know, the the the, the smell of dinner being cooked. You know, playing with their brothers or sisters or whatever it might well, be. I think they have fun fond memories of the whether it's the streets whether it's the you know the neighbors you know it's it could be the fact that the parents never lived in the neighborhood that they wanted and these young kids have the money now to potentially live in that neighborhood mm-hmm. you know and for whatever reason they're in this they want to be, just be in this neighborhood i, I, I mean it's, it's because, definitely nostalgic i guess it's because you you know you walk around and you you talk to anyone and regardless of you know their upbringing and the 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 socioeconomic level of their upbringing you know they they still have this mindset and this mentality like nope the first house i buy is going to be the last house i buy i mean that i don't you know that's a tough one to deal with because as far as you know where the you know they say the home is where the heart is but the family's where the heart is so regardless if you're in an apartment or in a house, you know, on 123 Main Street or, or, you know, or, or, you know, or, 123 Fake Street or, or, or Fake Street, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's where the, where the family is, yeah. is where the heart is. But so that's a, always been a tough one. But I do realize that people aren't in this business. The majority of them aren't. So they do need to have a clear mind and go to work and make a living and not have to be beholden to their home, whether, you know, we mentioned in the past, horrible term but true you know being house poor or having you know a honeydew list that's so long that you can't even get a football game in Mm -hmm. uh, a quarter of a football game in you know over the weekend so i think that's important drivers and and a lot of times you know the traffic you know so being in a location that's suitable you know that that's conducive to their you know work-life balance yeah um school districts and things like that but yeah. you know at the end of the day what's 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 crazy is is that our inventory is the lowest as it's ever been yeah you know even pre-recession and you know we still have in the back of our mind which is good to be worried about a potential bubble um and you know we just have to take a look at the bigger piece, you know, the 50,000 foot view, I like to say, and look at what's going on around your, your, you know, your city, your neighborhood Mm -hmm. and, and be conscious of, of, you know, are we truly growing? Because a lot of times you can fear and then have so much fear that you're crippled and you're not doing anything. But if you see that you're, you know, the economy's doing well, um, you know, we're having more corporations that are coming into the state of Florida. Thank God. You know, that's all good stuff. We have a great mayor. He's doing a great job with with building infrastructure. There's a lot more road construction than there's ever been. The airport is getting built out. It's like the fastest airport, no matter what, if you don't travel much. It's the greatest. Or if yes, you do, it's it, is, it is absolutely. I mean, you can get to it just your needs car. needs to go to more places, but it's yeah, a great yeah. airport. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, all those things are great. And, on the, and the fact that we're around the beaches and all those things, you know, so it's just a matter of... Um, you know, having that confidence and making that investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, you do kind of look at it and you do say, uh, you know, this is a, uh, a definitely a conversation that needs to be taking place around American households. Just, uh, you know, not just, you know, the nostalgic, uh, sentimental idea of what the household represents, but also in the economic idea of what the household represents. And I think people need to have that conversation, you know, with their kids. I mean, you know, with, with when their kids are 10, 12, 15, 20, you know, even even 30 because they're moving back home. I don't I honestly I think I'm going to be that dad that if my daughter calls me up, says, Dad, I'm coming back home. I need to move back in. 
You're 30. No, that's just no, no, no. Hard, hard pass. Hard pass. It's not happening. It's I doubt just, it. It's just not happening. I know. Then yeah, I'll, she'll. You'll be miss up. her. You'll want yeah, to come oh, back. All right, all right, you can come back. You'll be painting the room for her. <laughs> you yeah. you got your room. We'll continue our conversation here at the Move with Me program with James Ramos of JamesRamos.com. So continuing our conversation here with James Ramos of the Move With Me program. Now, you mentioned something uh, last segment talking about how inventory in uh, the Tampa Bay region and, and, and specifically the city of Tampa uh, is at an all-time low, even pre-recess, even lower than it was pre-recession. Uh, what is driving that? I mean, how is that How is that possible that there is just no inventory out there and that it's just it, it's to say it's competitive would be the understatement of a lifetime? I think it's just the demand, you know, so, so you have folks that want more product than what's available and, and it's a good thing, you yeah. know, it's a good thing. It's hard for the buyers. It's great for the sellers. And there's a lot of folks, you know, now that um, are living in these homes and they don't really have a place to go. Yeah. And that's the big problem, you know, cause I think there's a lot more people that are actually interested in selling. They just, before they actually listed it listed the home they want to know kind of okay where am i yeah what, what am i able to afford and a lot of times you know it's a wash so you may make you know your two times what you paid or three times depending on how long you've lived in the house but you're going to have to put it all back into another home so the goal is to sell your home at a high and buy at a low yeah you know it's not always that hard you know it's not always that easy it's tough you know but but it's doable you know and that's why i talk you know in my book and i talk about you know, real estate agents in general, they do this for a living. And part of one of the paths that a lot of, you know, it's kind of the topic is, is a path to generational wealth is, is how do you take your skills and use it for an equity building, you know, equation for yourself yeah. and your family. And, and, you know, if, even if you're not in the business, I mean, it's very easy to go on Zillow and to start searches, you know, save searches of, of, of what you, what you're interested in. If you do have interest in potentially selling and buying something new or buying for the first time or buying for the 10th time, it doesn't really matter, but it's about being a student of the game and understanding what's going on. And there are going to be opportunities out there, you know, that you can jump on. There are two things I want to follow up with you on. One is that uh, obviously the, the demand is very high right now. Is it just because more people are moving to this area? Number one, or people here also looking for second homes now and they just want to buy in their neighborhood because they know their neighborhood. I mean, which one is, I think it's a combination of two. It's there's more people moving from out of state into Florida. I think there's over a thousand people that move into the Tampa Bay area day that's huge yeah okay and then the second piece is is that there's more folks that are moving from the perimeter when wanting to live in the urban core yeah so the days you know so you know what we're doing is we're following if you look at a just a, a chart okay so it's an evolution of time and what ends up happening is is we're, when, when we're gonna hit the bubble is when the outskirts of Tampa is growing like crazy yeah you know and right now it's not it's the urban core and then the urban core will be tapped out and there'll be no more construction or very little, you know, it's slowing down mm-hmm. if you will. I mean, it's strong as ever, but there's, like we said, there's less inventory and things to sell. So yeah. it's harder for, well, you in know, the downtown area they're they're still building that out. Yeah, so they're building that, I mean, you've, out, got like I mean, a, you've got like a, you've got like a built in window there. Yeah. <laughs> after a point of time, there's not going to be any more apartments that can be built. Right. Yeah. So those people need to go somewhere else to build. You know, because construction is not going to stop and those people will actually go and go to, you know, neighborhoods and things outside of the Tampa Bay area, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and that's when we saw that big bubble 
where there was homes that were getting built and it just didn't make sense. You know, you're driving around neighborhoods and there's 30 homes for sale, you know, and there, you know, you're wondering who's like mowing these lawns and how come, where's the cars at, you know, Mm -hmm. are they driving bikes or whatever? Well, half the people were investors and weren't even living in the houses, Yeah, you know, so that's what really drove, drove the issue, you know, which was the result of the banking and, and, you know, and a number of things that are obvious, but But, but yeah, it's a combination of two. So it's, it's, it's a influx of people moving into the, into the state and into the area, the Tampa Bay region. And the second piece is it's just people wanting to live closer to the urban core. There's more museums than ever before. There's more things to do. There's parks and, and a lot of the restaurants and, and, and fun stuff are, you know, in the urban core and people want to be as close as they can to it. Yeah. Yeah. And the other question I was going to ask you is, you know, uh, uh, one of the things I've kind of like been thinking about now that I'm, you know, well into fatherhood, um, you know, two years. And you're buying fa- a new house. Yeah, too. two yeah. years. Yeah, yeah, buying a new house. Two years into fatherhood, I, I've been thinking about this from the sense of, um, you know, um, I, I want to target a property, you know, buy an investment property, but then the goal is in twenty twenty five years, like that property is going to my daughter. And, um, you know, I want it to be close enough to me, but for, far enough where she has her, her space. And, and I, I see people that are doing that now and like they'll wait until their, you know, their son or their daughter is 20, 25 years old. Dad, I'm getting married. OK, well, let's go find you a house. That will be your wedding gift or whatever it might be. Um, but even then, they could still find houses in like the downtown Tampa area for 200, 300, you know, 350, somewhere in there, something that would be reasonably affordable. Um if if you wait, like my daughter's two, if I wait 25 <laughs> years to go, am I finding anything, anything in, in that South Tampa urban core area where she's going to want to live, where everyone's going to want to live for three, four hundred thousand dollars? Or is that just, or is that price point just gone? Just oh, gone. I, I mean, who knows? Yeah. I mean, it's going to be it's obviously going to be, you know, it's going to increase just like salaries yeah. and things like that. We just. The big question is: Is it going to increase faster than you know your typical pay rates and yeah. things? And, and well, I guess the, and typically, I'm asking, you know, real estate does. Yeah, I guess the reason why I'm asking is because um, you know I remember like you know when I was 12 years old, hearing conversations about my dad talking about the first house he bought. First house he did bought. Did you get a house when you graduated? Uh, I didn't know. I got. He didn't uh, give you a house. <laughs> no, I they got like a skateboard or something. <laughs> I can't remember, like a bicycle or you something like that. Gift but, certificate. Yeah, exactly. Uh, here, here's to a, Blockbuster. Yeah, Carabas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> blockbuster. I didn't use it before. Went out of business. But remember hearing about the first house he bought. You know, first house he bought was like fifty grand. The second house that he followed up with was like one hundred and twenty-five. And I remember my hearing my uncles talk about their first house being about a hundred grand, stuff like that. And, and, you know, now you chart it forward and I'm looking at my friends and seeing what the first house they, they're they're purchasing and they're well into the 200s. And so you start thinking, OK, now well, the we- percentage of, of housing has gone way up as yeah. a percentage of income. I mean, to the point where it's it's just, you know, you have to take a second look at it mm-hmm. and get other people that are in the business, whether it's your, you know, a fund, you know, a money manager or, you know, your loan officer and just take people's opinion yeah and then put it all together and see where they're at you know but if you keep on asking you know some people have a tendency to keep on asking until they get the right answer that they want to hear and then they're like great <laughs> this makes sense yeah. you know and, and uh, you know but but it's scary if you look at for example opening up a restaurant today or mm-hmm. opening up a small business you know when you're in the realm of 20 to 40 percent of your income or, or expected right because you haven't opened yet revenue to be going toward rent 
Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of question and you scratch your head. You're like, God, that landlord is actually has the best business because mm. he's actually in business with me and I'm going to have to pay him first. Yeah. You know, every month. Yeah. So, you know, when you look at it like that, um, it's it, it draws attention to how important real estate is in today's market, mm-hmm. you know, and actually, you know, putting that money aside and and trying to find things. And, and because not only can you cash flow it, meaning you can make 10% on the money that you put down, you know, you can also be in an equity position that it's increasing. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not a bad gig because you're getting two sides of the coin. Yeah. You know, is it easy to do? No. But I mean, if you have, if you spend some time and you get the proper people, you know, in place, you're going to be able to get turned over, you know, turned on to some opportunity more so than if you never tried. Yeah. And you just heard, you know, we're just a good listener with a bunch of stories that people talk about. Yeah. I guess the reason why I'm asking is because, um, I was just in, uh, I was just in Manhattan, um, a couple of weeks back. And uh, real estate, I'm always fascinated with real estate. I love real estate, so I always walk around and I'll, you know, go meet some people that I know in real estate and they'll take me to see apartments or build accounts or whatever it might be. And the island of Manhattan has become such an island just for a few select people of a certain net worth. And, uh, you know, the word up there right now is gentrification. Everyone's talking about gentrification, gentrification, gentrification. And, And, you know, you kind of start looking around. And, you know, there's always been pockets of places that people were just completely outpriced with. And then I think people are relatively fine. But now you're seeing entire islands being, you know, right. you're no, you're not welcome. And now you're seeing entire cities like right. you're not welcome or like a Miami beach, like you're not welcome. Yeah, so I think you start looking around and you think, wow, is, is, you know, the city of Tampa, is it headed that direction? Well, I mean, just like you said, in, in Manhattan, I mean, there's. There's areas of Manhattan that when we lived there back in, uh, we were there from 2000 to 2003, there was affordable certain areas. Mm -hmm. And then now it's pretty much like every single area it feels like, you know, is, is just, you know, gentrifying or already on the rise past the curve, Mm -hmm. you know, and at the end of the day, when you look at it and you look back, you know, there was, there was transit, the cab took you to and from same location. I mean, as a, as a stone throw, it's like a, you know, a block or two, you know, and, and those lines of demarcation are now, are now diminishing Yeah, and going into some of these neighborhoods that you, you know, would, you would think, um, you know, hell's kitchen, for example, yeah. there's an area there right by <laughs> times square. I used to love drinking like, in hell's kitchen. Yeah. It's like <laughs> no way I would ever beer. live there. And now it's like an up and coming place. <laughs> now you can't get anything for and, under $2 million. There. Yeah. When we were there back in, um, down in the meatpacking district, uh, we we would go there, and there was like one bar. Yeah, and and people would go, and then they built the standard hotel. That's the hotel yeah, where people beautiful. walk, and then you it's got a great see, outdoor you dining. You can see room. inside the window. Yeah, it's great. You know, and now like these properties are like twenty five million dollars for yeah. a brownstone. It's like, what are you? Ta- what's going on here? <laughs> we'll continue our conversation here at the Move Me program. So continue our conversation here at the Move Me program with host James Ramos of Ramos Design and Build and jamesramos.com. I mean, multi-generational living. You it's know, that, coming. Yep. It, it's coming. It was a thing. Then it kind of went out of style. And now it almost seems like it's it's back in. But it's not because of what it once represented where the family wanted to be intact. They wanted to be together and they wanted to be under one roof. It's almost a necessity based on, uh, uh, you know, uh, people's lack of income or inability right. to locate certain jobs with certain pay scales. So, I mean, is that when you think of multi-generational living, what are your thoughts on it? First off, 
I mean, multi-generational living, the, the way to describe it is it's real simple. It's, it's everything that you know, right? The obvious is having multi-generations living in the same place, but it's living together, but separate. Mm-hmm. So there's separate entrances. There's even separate thermostats. Yeah. There's separate, um, you know, potentially there's, if you're, if you're able to do this in zoning, you know, separate, um, monitors for your electricity too, you know, and your, and your heat, you know, your heating and air cost and everything can be bifurcated and gone to the, you know, the little 800 suite quarters for your in-laws and then your, um, you know, two or 3000 square foot house for the rest of the family. But I think that's what, um, you know, is coming and yeah. it's, and it's here to stay. So it's about, you know, organizing your home and your floor plan to meet the needs of, of your family. And I think that, you know, if, you know, one would say, you know, if these baby boomers are allowing the millennials to come in and live with their home and have a safe haven until they get their feet on the ground, you know, one would expect the same in return. Right. So, so the millennials are going to be looking at, um, providing a house or some sort of help and living quarters for their family, Mm. you know, so it'll be interesting to see how it goes, but definitely, you know, everybody in a sense, you know, if you had your choice, you know, you would love to have a separate, you know, suite for, um, you know, uh, you know, a cave, you know, a man cave, you know, <laughs> so call it what you will. But yeah. but they're really, you know, separate areas and 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 a lot of them have their own kitchenettes and things like that. So it's definitely interesting. And um, there's more and more of my clients that are asking for these separate, you know, grounds, if you will, separate yeah. entrances, separate you know, buildings, um, which is quite cool. Is that enough space though for them? I mean, I just look, I yeah. mean, personally, I mean, because the, you know, it's almost like a I shared not living. Do it. Yeah. Personally, I could not With, do yeah. it. I yeah, actually it's, I'm not built tough. that it's, way. I'm just not It's into easier it. said than done. <laughs> I'm just you know, not I mean, it. it's easy, it's easy to separate, you know, to design a home and have separate quarters and an entrance here and an entrance there. But the, at the end of the day, it's sort of like an office. Yeah. So you're renting a small little cubicle and then you're going to have the benefits of, of sharing the conference room and the kitchen, you know, the main kitchen, right. And all the areas where you're going to, you know, have, you know, just enjoy yourself and watching TV. So, so those in-laws or whomever they may be, the grandparents are going to be coming into your, you know, to your neck of the woods, you know, and a lot of the free time. So, so that's a, couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. I I, like, like I told my wife, I, I, I love your parents and I'm sure you love my parents but uh, I married you, and I'm only living with you. I'm not in our chick, our kids. I, I'm not living with your parents, or my parents aren't moving. It's just not happening. Well, when you were looking for a house, I know you. I know you're in the race there. Did you? I mean, if you saw a house that had two separate areas, it didn't mean that you know all of a sudden you know you would have to have your in laws sign yeah. up in the next five years, right? I mean, you wouldn't turn that away. No, I mean, I I think that'd be one of those things that you know you got to like come as it comes goes or whatever it might be but i i do think uh, uh, um it's one of those things where you just kind of scratch your head and you just say look i mean that's just not for me i'm just not you know personally i just i wouldn't want to see you know myself set up set up for failure and for that matter i wouldn't never want to set my wife up for failure and uh, i think it's one of those things that uh you know as much as i i adore my in-laws if 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 i did even have a separate like suite or whatever it was it's just not happening. I mean, it's just it's just not happening. There's just no way I could do it. I mean, there's there's even you know it goes into multifamily too. So there's a company called WeWork, and they they did their first development, their residential development. So it's an office, you know, type you know company where you can rent space. Whether you're coming in 
and you have, uh, you know, free space for the day, yeah. you know, pick a desk or having dedicated space. So it's sort of like a, you know, working out at a workout, workout facility. Right? Yeah. So, so depending on what you spend, but with this same company, they designed a, a um, rental multifamily building and it was in DC and I forgot the location of it, but you can find it on the internet. But what was unique about it, it was similar setup as a dorm. So each of the rooms had, you know, enough for what was required of someone to live, right? A mm. bed, you know, and a dresser. Okay. <laughs> and they had separate bathrooms and then they had a separate on the main floor. They had sort of a family room, if you will. So there was a pool table, ping pong, they had big TV and the whole nine yards um, for you to hang out. And there was a big kitchen and it was all a shared, you know, type facility. And then there was a big laundry mat, you know, for their wash and fold and things like that. I don't know if it was anything was, you know, pay for service, but, but it was all for you to, for you to, you know, pretty much you know, take advantage of. And it's a really unique model. Of course, you have to have a super dense, you know, population because there's a percentage of a percentage, right? Of a percentage who's going to be interested in living in that arrangement. But the place was full. Yeah. You know, so, so one thing, you know, what, you know, you think about like what is, you know, processing through their heads right now, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, it was probably a great location. Yeah. So they're sacrificing a smaller facility and, you know, why not be with your friends or soon to be friends, you know, hanging out, watching TV. Cause we all kind of like to watch the same stuff, I assume, you know, yeah. and you know, and I don't really cook much, so I'm going to have a little place to warm up some food and I'm typically going to go out to eat and it, and that's where kind of the testimonials were, but it's interesting to see that because it's completely a change. You know, and I love to see change because I think it's interesting. You learn from it. Hmm. Um, and then it all depends, you know, wh where it goes is is the fun part, you know, how it takes hold and how it's going to hit single family homes. Yeah. You know, and right now, I mean, if you look at it, you know, people opt. I mean, let me ask you, I mean, were you opting location over obviously budget is, is a big yeah, budget, is probably budget number, was one. Our number one driver. And then is it was it location? Uh, in location was number probably two. number two, yeah, close to it was, it was yeah. budget and then uh, location, um, and then uh, I wanted like my wife had her, wait, we we put together lists right, and uh, I think it was like top three lists for each person. Uh, both of ours on our list was location. Um, the second on mine was uh, 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 was land size. I wanted a decent size uh, uh, property. Um, and then, uh, uh, she put together and like, I don't know, she wanted like a two car garage or something like that. <laughs> like, that's what she, like, that's what, so that's what she, she wanted. And she wanted uh, like a big kitchen or a nice kitchen or, or whatever it is. So, uh, it's one of those things where you just kind of, uh, you know, you, 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 we, because we both, we already knew the budget was priority. So right. the other three were, uh, the other ones were just kind right. of, it's uh, pick the best within the budget. Yeah. 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 You know, that so those standards. Yeah. And yeah, no, it was, it's just, it was highly competitive. It oh, really God. was. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was out of control competitive. I mean, really did was. you, were, were you having multiple bidders? Oh, every, um, every house that we engaged in conversation with, um, I would say within two days had at least five offers. Wow. Every single house. Were they just popped? I mean, did they just come on the market? Uh, some weren't even on the market yet. Okay. Some, some were pocket listings. Um, and, uh, some had not been listed on the MLS yet, but other had the, the real estate, uh, agents had, uh, been given like a quick little flyer or whatever. So how did you know the value? I mean, what, what did the agent do to help you? Um, 
you know, I, 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 did you start? Were you able to assess basis, the value yourself yeah, based really, on really, really looking, assessing the value ourselves, walking through the homes, uh, you know, realizing land is a key proponent to driver, a square footage, uh, you know, the surrounding homes, the neighborhood that you're in, um, you know, just just we, we, we kind of assessed it that way. You know, we, we, if you're if you're sitting on a block in every house and you're, you know, you're looking at a house that's three hundred thousand, but all the surrounding houses are six, seven hundred thousand dollars, probably a good place to uh, to be just, you know, right. you, you always want I, to me anyways, I always want to be the cheapest house on the block. Yeah. <laughs> that's I, that's what I always wanted because there's there's built in equity right there. And we were able to find something like that. We were able to find the cheapest house on the, the block, so to speak. And uh, we rolled with it. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I can remember a story back in 97 or 96. We moved to Atlanta and we we got an agent that was recommended to us. So we told her an area and, you know, I didn't know the area. It was Roswell and I was working in Roswell and I Very and, I, with and I had and I had an opportunity to go back to school and get my MBA from Emory. So we wanted to be, you know, we couldn't afford that Emory area. So we were like, OK, Roswell would be close to my job. And then Connie at the time was a nurse, so it was kind of close to the hospital where she was working. But um, I remember where the agent and, you know, we went through some of these older homes in Roswell. And then she started showing us more and more homes and they got nicer and nicer. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize, you know, because you're going from one home to the other. and But we were going north. Yeah. So we were north of like Alpharetta and the yeah. homes became like amazing. I was like, man, these are great. <laughs> and then at the time, I don't think we had a cell phone with a with a Google map on yeah. it. So I was like, where are we? And we kind of, we, we hit this last home and then we drove back to the hotel, which was in Roswell. And it took us like 45 minutes. Yeah. I was like, what are we doing? You know, so I had to have a, you know, kind of a, you know, come to Jesus talk with, yeah. with the agent the next yeah, day. I'm not, I'm not big into commuting. I'm yeah, really not. I mean, but it, but it's funny because you start seeing all these homes and, and, you know, you have to go back to those priorities. Yeah. Because before you know it, you're like, oh my God, now I want a place to put a pool table. And it was like, it was never on the list. You know? And I don't even play pool. Yeah. <laughs> we'll continue our conversation here with James Ramos on the Move Me program. So James, uh, moments ago we were talking about uh, multi-generational living and, uh, you know, I was talking to a, a, a young couple and uh, they live in this uh, beautiful area of uh, South Tampa, new suburb, beautiful, I believe. And we were at their house and I was looking at it, it's a nice old South Tampa preserved home. And, you know, we were talking about it and, you know, I constantly see these memes that say, you know, millennials favorite pastime is trying to figure out how their friends afford what they afford. And, and, and so I was like, kind of like sizing up what they were doing. And I know what he does. And I was talking to him. Was, and so he just, you know, willingly submitted to me that the only way they could afford this house in this neighborhood is that they have uh, multiple renters in the back. And I was like, oh, that's that's cool. Like, you know, congratulations. You still got the house or whatever. You're still in the new suburb. Beautiful. You know, it's an incredible place. And, you know, right near Burn Steakhouse, for heaven's sakes. And and we were talking about it more. And and I, and I guess he, he he almost said it like ashamed. And I was like, is there some sort of like taboo mentality to you know buying a house and then having renters also being a part of that house especially when you're a young family i mean is that is that something that's not done no i think it's done i you know maybe he was ashamed because he he, i I, he probably qualified for the house Mm -hmm. i don't i don't think you can get a residential mortgage and and have them 
you know, play a revenue piece from the rest of your home. Yeah. You know, so, Hey, I'm going to be able to afford this monthly payment by as long as I have two people renting. Yeah. You know, so I think it, I think probably where he's coming from is that, is that, um, you know, he's to make ends meet and allow us to live, you know, you know, having these two renters in the back. Do they work for him? I mean, are they doing the lawn and stuff like that? No, I think they just cut him a check. I have um, unpaid renters, you know, my kids. We try to get them to do stuff. But um, but I think it's going to be, you know, it's more and more prevalent. I yeah. mean, there was, a, there was an article in the paper a few months ago, and it was an agent in Clearwater, and they had been cited one too many times about renting their home on a daily rate on HomeAway, okay. you know, which is the old VRBO. And they counted up how many times that they had rented. So they actually, the the judge, you know, told them, let me see the books. And this, that, the other, the fine was over 30 some thousand dollars. Wow. And it wasn't like it was their first slap on the wrist. Mm. I mean, this was, you know, multiple citations. And then finally the neighbors, you know, you know, told on them. They're like, hey, these, these guys have, you know, new people coming in the house every day. So I think the element of, you know, looking at your home as a revenue source is is good and it's also bad you know because at the end of the day you maybe get tired of those renters um and maybe it's just a short-term thing and it's not that big of a deal but at the end of the day you may get tired of the renters or they may stop renting mm-hmm. and then now you're not able to make ends meet yeah but but i do feel like it's it's more and more prevalent I yeah mean, we're, we're seeing more and more people that are looking at at the equation of home ownership and and having it offset by some level of of renting yeah. You know, whether subletting or even, you know, to the point where I'm going to go on vacation and I have 10 days free, yeah. you know, so I'm just, you know, money's on the table, Yeah, you know, left on the table there. So let's, you know, go on home away and try to rent my house. We're going to Airbnb. It's, yeah. It is absolutely. I mean, it's different thinking. It's a different mindset. It's a different mindset. It is. Yeah. I mean, I, I just don't like the idea of strangers poking around in my, I mean, going back to, I mean, I don't even want my in-laws living with me, much less a stranger living with me. I didn't. You know, my, my, my relatives come into town. They're like, oh, we're coming down. It's like, oh, yeah, well, good luck finding a hotel or wherever you're staying. <laughs> you're not yeah. staying with me. But it's, no, I'm just kidding. Of course, they can stay with me. But no, the, the, the fact is, is that it almost does seem like there's like kind of this, you know, taboo nature. But it's, it's you're right. I think it is more prevalent. I think people are renting out areas of their house or, you know, a back little area if they have that. And they're, they're trying to, you know, drive and maximize their home as a, an economic driver within their household any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I mean, a funny story. I was in Vegas um, a few years back. We go every year for the Remax convention, and we're sitting there. And a lot of the agents come, so we're we're sitting at dinner one day. And there's a there's a young couple that had just become agents with us, and we're staying at a hotel that I paid, you know, the regular rate. You know, that was the Remax rate. You know, it was like two hundred and twenty five dollars or something, right? So. So when we're talking, you know, who's staying where, I didn't know. And these this young couple is like, we're staying at the Paris Hotel. You know, it's like, okay, is that nice? They're like, yeah, yeah, we got a really nice room. And they're explaining, you know, the room to me. And I'm like, wow, I didn't know, you know, I, I didn't come out and say, I didn't think that y'all could afford that. Mm. It was just, you know, there was a big jacuzzi bath. It was glass floor <laughs> to floor. It was on the top floor and all these great things. And I was like, how did you guys come across this? They're like, oh, it was like, um, it was VRBO. Mm-hmm. And, and we... And we ended up, you know, negotiating this rate. It's like a $1,500 rate we got for $150. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Just my God. Whatever, whatever you want uh, for. And then my wife was with me. So that night I was like, God, we got to start thinking out of the box, you know. Yeah. But, but they put time and effort into it, you know. So and they found that value. And I think the same way that we're looking at home ownership, you know, and these millennials, they're very creative, mm-hmm. you know. So it's 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 very interesting to see how 
all these cooperatives where whether it's in retail or um you know co-op like an oxford exchange for example there's multiple businesses under one roof that are all operating together um, we did that with Remax and Indigo downtown. So it's two businesses with one door entrance and they're cooperating together and one helps the other. And I think we're seeing that in the residential side, Yeah, you know, where there's much more, whether it's a, you know, whether it's the multi-generational living or, you know, multiple doors and ways to, to bifurcate who's living where, yeah. you know, and they, and they want to, they want to return on it. And I think that's, um, you know, what we haven't talked about too is, is, you know, work life, you know, work, work, working maybe on the top floor or the bottom floor and living on, on, in the other floor. I think that's a, that's an, that's a piece that's really interesting and it's happening in, in certain parts of the country. There's a specific zoning, you know, because typically a, a, commercial piece of real estate you want to have signage in the front but you're also living in the mm -hmm. same place so it's a little awkward but that's the that's the type of stuff that i think we're gonna start seeing yeah. in florida yeah i think i think people have gotten so accustomed to you know sharing their things whether it's like uber in their car or airbnb in their house where you know this whole idea of you know this is mine it belongs to me I think those barriers really have been broken down in, in our society and just the mindset towards it. Right. So, uh, you know, I want to ask you this question because every uh, builder I come across or, you know, real estate agent or, you know, there's almost like, you know, everyone remembers the recession. They remember the housing market. They remember what took place, you know, things like houses, you know, plummeting 30, 40, 50 percent, some of them. And, you know, you, you talk to them. And there's still there's there's still like this idea of like, yep, the another the next one is coming. The next one is coming. Why do you think that from a builder standpoint, from a, a real estate standpoint, from even a seller standpoint, there's just this foregone conclusion waving the white flag that sooner or later we're going to get hit and we're going to get hit hard again? Well, it's just assimilating facts. I mean, you just made a statement that's interesting. I mean, the statement that you had said is, is that you had multiple offers on most properties that you were interested in. So when you look at that, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is, is like, is this for real? Yeah. Like, how long is this going to happen? Is this real? Like, I don't remember a situation like that. All houses went over ask, too, by Yeah, the and then all the houses going over ask. So so you tell that story to someone, it's other people start assimilating different stories and things like that. And you just want to wonder, you know, how long is this going to last? And typically, they're like seven to eight years. So if you look at, you know, 2012 was really the year that we were kind of came out. So just add, you know, the year 2000. And then you have doom and gloom and everybody looks at the half, you know, glasses half full, half empty, you know, however yeah. you want to look at the world. Yeah, because the, the glass half full is, uh, well, it's still very difficult to get a mortgage in yeah. today's age. So and, that's and, the glass half yeah. full. That's the argument you keep hearing from people. But, the white's it, not but I think happen. it's a, I think it's a healthy view in some sense. You know, you can't be, you know, held back to the point where you're crippled yeah. and you don't make any decision to do anything moving forward. But I definitely think that it's clear and present, you know, in everybody's eyes, because that taste in your mouth of what had happened, um, whether you had an entry level price point home or a high level, you know, I think was was a pretty devastating effect, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it was a big learning experience. And so United you and Remax Beta Bay, um, what are what are, what are you hearing from all those agents that you you have in your stable? There's less property to sell. Um, there's a lot of buyers out there and it's just becoming harder and harder. So they they feel like are people have, lowering their expectation or their expectation still high. No, the expectation is still high. No. 
you know, the, the clients are coming in and they have more a technology than ever before. So they're smarter than ever before. You know, they, they, if you, no matter what, if you have a client and they've been looking on the internet for hours on end, husband and wife in a particular neighborhood. And let's say that that agent is farming in a broader area mm-hmm. so that, you know, you, you're going to have people that are, you put in your car, they're going to know more than you. Yeah. They may not know how to go under contract and all the details of it, but as it relates to what's available and things like that, you know, so it's important for the agents to, to know that, like you had mentioned, you know, having pocket sales or having friends that are in the business to say, Hey, let me know, you know, because everybody knows when things are going to, you know, when things are going to go on, there's a certain level of, of duties that an agent has to do. They have to take pictures, they have to take measurements, they have to get all the marketing and details and things like that. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's about, you know, figuring out what people want. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. James Ramos of uh, Ramos Design and Build, jamesramos.com every Sunday at 11 a.m. Move with me program in the books next Sunday, 11 a.m. See you next week. Thanks for joining us today. If you missed all of the program or want to hear it again, listen to the podcast on jamesramos.com or on YouTube at Ramos Media Network. See you next week with Ramos Design Build, Tampa Bay's premier real estate design, build, and construction company. Homes are built to bring people together. It's the place that families gather to create memories that last a lifetime. With that in mind, you want a builder who requires a design to reflect your expectations. Ramos Design Build is that company. They understand this concept, offer a concierge level of service, ensuring that you are involved in every step of the design build process. Ramos Design Build integrates the latest in construction technology, building you a home that will last for generations. Ramos has a portfolio of satisfied clients from its decades of service in the Tampa Bay community. If you are looking for a luxury remodel, a home renovation, or a custom home built from the ground up, contact Ramos Design Build at RamosDesignBuild.com. That's RamosDesignBuild.com. Hi, my name is James Ramos. I am a licensed general contractor at Ramos Design Build. When someone asks why I do what I do, I am proud to say that I help bring families back to the table. When you partner with Ramos, we make your family's home dreams a reality. Ramos Design Build, construction, development, and renovation. A legacy since 1956.